Hey, welcome back to the Jesus Magnet Podcast. We're in Christchurch right now on the road traveling around New Zealand. And we are blessed to have Hiniatu with us today. How are you doing, Hiniatu? I'm doing good, thanks, Joel. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We're super excited to hear your story. Hiniatu attends um, church. And we got to meet her at, a, at an awesome Bible study. Shout out to Dean and Bronwyn for letting us come to their Bible study. And uh, yeah, Hiniatu is uh, such, a, such a lovely lady. Um, we, we were told by many people that Hiniatu's got a very, very neat testimony. See if she's available to share. And um, we hadn't even met her face to face and this guy called Dean runs up to me and goes I've got Hiniatu on the phone talk to her and get her on the podcast <laughs> so we just chat on the phone um through through a, a mutual friend and um he he set it up so thank you Dean for doing that and um yeah we're super excited to hear your story Hiniatu and um yeah, we'll just pass it over to you. So, so we're at the moment we're in Christchurch, but um, yeah, we are super keen to hear this story. Um, I hear it's an intense one. So, if you're listening, get strap your seatbelts on and be ready for an awesome testimony, um, one that's got God all through it. Um, and yeah, so let's pass it over to you. Thank you. Um, I'm just trying to think where to start. Um, so I was uh, born and raised in Tauranga. Oh, yeah. And I'm the youngest child out of four. So I've got two older brothers and an older sister. Oh, yeah. And um, I had a non-religious family, mm-hmm. except for my grandmother. Okay. Was your grandmother Christian? My grandmother was a Christian, yeah, in oh. her um, sort of later years. Yeah. Because um, I remember, you know, being in her room and she would pray all night. Mm. And um, she would pray for, like, cats and dogs and, like, family and you know, just so many different people. So I remember that, um, you know, when I was young. But besides her, there was um, no other sort of Christians in my family. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah. um, And how can I say this? Um... My upbringing was a tough one. Um, We, as a family, we went through a lot of um, hard, hard things. Um, And when I was young, were actually attacked um, by a gang. Oh, wow. Wow. So I was only five. Five years old. Wow. And my sister, um, at the time, she was 17 and she was pregnant. Yeah. 
And so I remember like the trauma and just, um, you know, the events of that attack mm. um, come to mind. Um, and so we were moved, mm. you know, we had to get moved out of the um, area. So it's like the whole family? The whole family, oh. yep. They, they came after our whole family. Um, and then we moved. We were still in the same town. Um, but my brother, he um, not retaliated, but he, um, to try and get rid of them, like fend them off, he was only 16 at the time, he went and got a gun and then um, shot at them. Oh. Um, no one died, mm -hmm. but that sort of sequence of events set him up to um, go to prison for uh, what turns out now a very long time. Mm. He's, you know, he didn't go to prison for a long time then, but it sort of set him on the path um, mm. of, you know, offending. Mm, yeah. Like he was put into prison at a young age and then, you know, got out and stuff, but he had already mm. learnt those ways. Yeah. Mm. Um, but my brother that day, he saved our lives, so, yeah. wow. you know. Um, so, yeah, it was just, just a childhood that was really difficult. Um, so when you say difficult, was that difficult in the sense that um, you you and your family struggled to get along together? or um, We got along together. Um, like, I was the youngest, um, so my older um, brothers and sisters, they were my, the next one up from me, Damie, he's like uh, nine years older than me. And then my other brother was like 10 years older than me. And then my sister, the oldest, at 12 years older than me. Okay. Yeah, wow. So I was like the yeah, little way one, younger. you know, yeah. with no one to really relate to. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of addictions in my family. Mm. So um, it was just what felt like a lot of... Um, I felt really rejected growing mm. up as a child and um, unloved and just a whole bunch of those sorts of um, feelings. Yeah. But yeah. my sister and my brothers, they looked after me. Mm. Yeah. So it was a, a distance in the sense that you, you didn't get get along on that same maturity level as any of your siblings because they were almost a decade older than you. Um, some were a little bit more than a decade. Yeah. And um, that, But they were able to shelter you and, and make sure that you were okay, sort of. Yeah, like they, um, like my, my older sister, she pretty much took me everywhere she went, you know. Yeah. Um, if she was going to the movies, um, I'd go with her. Oh, that's cool. And um, I kind of, you know, like, I love that she done that, 
But mm. from this side of it, you know, seeing it from this side, I felt I feel like her um, her childhood was robbed a bit. Oh, you true. know, always having to look after these yeah. um, younger children and she was just like always looking after yeah. us and she's still looking after people now, you know. Wow. Mm. So, but I am thankful that she looked after me. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. You know, if she ends up listening to this, she'll be able to hear that, you know, how thankful you are of that. Yeah. Thanks, Mel. <laughs> Love you. I know she's going to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh, cool. So so what happened? Um, so you you and your family moved to another area. Yep. Um, In the brother. same town. Yeah. So um, it was just pretty much, you know, the standard um, thing, you know. Um, Did you move around a lot? Because no, we just we just moved when I was like five, yeah, about five, um, and then we stayed where we went, um, yeah, for a few years. Okay, so it was just like a, a one event sort of thing that happened with the gangs. Yeah, that came around and um, did it have anything to do with your family? Like, were yes, they, they, oh, they were yeah affiliated. Someone, someone, no, someone in my family. I actually don't even know the full story because, um, you know, it's not really talked about. Yeah. Um, but from what I gather, it was someone in my family had had a run-in mm. with um, okay. one of the, you know, leaders or something, and then they had, you know, um, chased them home. Oh, okay. And, you know, brought everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Okay. All right, so you've uh, you're five years old. You've moved from this gang that's uh, attacked your family. Yeah. Your brother is now, you know, sacrificed his in almost innocence to defend the family. Yep. Um, which at the time was over for a protection, um, and he's he's gone down that sort of road of. Maybe a little bit more violent, has he? Like from yes. that exposure to that? Yeah. Well, it the... started, you know, yeah. then when he was young. Yeah. Um, because that was the last time that I sort of remember him being a normal brother. Mm. Yeah. Like now he's institutionalised and um, he's been in and out of prison for most of his life. Yeah. Um, he's He's in there now, you know. This time, for a very long time, um, probably won't get out till he's like almost sixty. Wow! Wow! So he's done a long time. Yeah. Um, for violence, mostly violent crimes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, life was you know, life. Um, <laughs> don't really know how to describe it. Um, but I kind of feel to talk about like the events that sort of, um, triggered like real trauma, mm. you know, in, in my life yep. to sort of get some understanding of, you know, where I came from and then where I went to. Yep. So 
Um, yeah, so from five to um, 15, you know, I just, I carried on going to school, you know, all that mm. sort of stuff. And then um, at 15, my brother that's nine years older than me, Damie, he committed suicide. Mm. And so um, that was a real, like, low point for me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was really close to him. Um, and so, yeah, when when that happened, um, I I became suicidal after that, mm. after he died. And I can remember his funeral just wanting to be buried in the same grave as him. Like, I didn't even care mm-hmm. if I was buried alive. I just didn't want to be here anymore. Mm. Um, and so because I was like that, um, hang on a second, rewind. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we can rewind. So yeah. just before that, my parents um, separated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then my brother, um, we moved in with my mum. Um, and my brother done that. And then, um, because I was, they labelled me a para-suicide. So that's someone that tries to kill themselves a lot. Um, I got put into uh, the local uh, mental mental health ward. Oh, okay. Trying to find a nice term mm. for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was there at about between 15 and 16 and I was too young to be in the adult ward. Yeah. Um, but there was nowhere else for them to sort of mm. put me. Um, so, yeah. Um, so did your brother's suicide... Ask, get you to that that point where you're in the that the the mental ward at the yes. hospital. So I I tried to kill myself. Yeah. Again, um, after he died. And um, yeah, I OD'd on pills, and so they done the stomach pump. Yeah. Thing. Um, Can I ask if you um, at that point where when your brother committed suicide, and you were at your lowest point where you wanted to join him. Were you ever thinking, God, if you're out there? Or did any of those sort of thoughts come up? No. So um, it wouldn't have been till after he died, I met this um, these twin um, sisters. And um, it was not long after I got out of the um, mental health um, ward that I met them, and one of the sisters, both Christian ladies, were um, the ones who told me about Jesus. Oh, wow. Um, so, like, during that, like, I didn't know um, God, but I was um, I was hearing voices and, you know, just 
you know, voices saying, you know, just kill yourself and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the beginning, from since I was young, I've seen things. So I, I, um, I've seen or heard things that other people can't. And so like, um, like all that around that, like before the mental health ward, like being there, I felt like I kind of like belonged mm. in a weird way because mm. I understood those people in there. Mm. Like they saw things too. And it yep. was like a relief. Um, Do you think it's like um, you're quite attuned to maybe the spiritual and that's the things that you were yes. seeing that you didn't quite realise? Yes, like. because, you know, like it wasn't like, um, like when I was younger and saw things or whatever, if you try and talk about it with people, they kind of think you're nuts. Mm. So yeah. I just tried to like not mention that um, mm to anyone unless that sort of conversation mm. came up, you know. Yeah. Um, if people started talking about that, then I'd be like opening up, you know, to my experiences and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely a, a time of like, when I look back, I was coming into awareness, yeah. you know, um, of like what I was seeing and stuff was, the spirit realm and not you're crazy yeah mm. yeah wow. wow so how long were you in the hospital um so i was in there they i think i was in there like two weeks to a month but then i got transferred to um starship because oh, okay. they had a a children's ward underneath the main um you know, like an actual mental mm. health ward for children. Um, and that was, like, brutal. That place and you're, was brutal. you 15, 16 at this time. Yeah. And okay. I don't know what's going on. Like, yeah. all I, like, all I know is, like, I'm, I, I just don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Because of the loss. So yeah. you had was fully like moved out of home um, um, at that point? Well... I was at home before, yep. beforehand, and then um, but then my brother, the... you know, done that, and yep. then um, I was sent there because yep. I... Um, Were a danger to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, like, it was just, it was, like, such an interesting experience. Like, I look back, and there were people in there that, like, they were anorexic girls, you know. Yeah. And um, I couldn't understand why they, like, at the time, I love those, like, little calcium yogurts, you know, those milk ones. Mm -hmm. And this girl, she would just like, oh, you can eat all my yogurts. And I was like, you're weird, you know, like, this is the best food that they've got in here, you know? And she's like, yeah, this this is where my yogurts are kept in this fridge. And, like, it took me a while to understand, like, oh, she's an anorexic. Like, I knew she was mm. skinny, but I didn't yeah. know she was, like, that skinny, you know? Like, mm. yeah, mm. that she had that problem. Mm. And um, it was just a real... Um, I don't know, a, a tumultuous time for me. Mm. Um, so having that experience in, in the mental ward, 
you're now looking back at that able to understand people's mental health on yes. a significantly higher level. Yes. And and I have um a lot of compassion mm. because of that experience. Mm. Yeah. You know, like when I was there, I was like in my own bad mental health state mm. and I just thought, you know, these people are all crazy, mm. you know. They've got this all wrong because um, I was young as well. Mm. But now when I look back and when I know what I've, you know, lived through basically since then, um, I understand, you know. Where they mm. were at. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's quite incredible, really. Um, my, I think my grandma was, was in, a, in a mental ward for a little while as well. Um, and I 100% know that she has tremendous compassion for people now. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting how you sometimes have to climb those mountains or, or go down into those valleys that deep. And when you come out, you, there's something stronger. There's something strengthened, and there's there's an awareness that you didn't have before. And you have to look back now and go, "All right, you know that that was brutal, but um, God allowed me to go through that, yeah. and now I'm stronger." It's yes. the same thing about going to the gym, isn't it? You yeah. know, your muscles hurt and ache, but then that's because they're stretching and growing. Mm. It builds your endurance. Yeah. yeah, you know, whatever you go through um mm. just build your endurance up yep that's really good so what happened um so you you were there for about two months did you say two weeks to two yeah, months somewhere. two weeks to two months because they were in between um like they said oh you can't stay at this adult ward yeah okay um, sent me up to Auckland from Tauranga to Auckland and was there a lot of kids in the in the younger one uh, yes, it was. And, and a lot of kids with different issues, you know. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, like when we got in there, I said, oh, you know, strip your bags mm. out, bag check. And I was like, why, you know. Mm. Yeah. And then they were looking for like razor blades and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then there was a girl in there that, uh, this was 1999. Mm. So there was a girl in there that uh, was idolising those uh, Columbine killers. I don't know if you remember. Mm, if you're, I'm sure they are. Maybe you're not old enough to remember them. Maybe. <laughs> well, around 99 there was, you know, the um, these uh, teenagers in America that, you know, I think killed their whole classroom or something like that. Oh, wow. And so there was a girl in there with me that um, had a problem with, like, idealizing them and stuff like that and she was my roommate and that's quite scary it was so they were idealizing a serial killer yes she was like every night she'd be like oh you know i'm going to kill people like you know they did and i was like thinking to myself what what is this place you know because no one really explained to me like everyone with different issues comes here yeah, it was just yeah. like you're trying to kill yourself, so we're gonna put, put you, you here. here sort yeah. Of so you thought it would be the same sort of people. Yeah. Same issues. Like everybody, you know, wanting to die, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was 
it was so varied. Um, and I got exposed to like a pretty much, yeah, every mental health condition you can think of in you, those young people. Wow. Do you think there's a link spiritually between some mental health issues? So there could be either some sort of demonic oppression happening over people that are getting it, just constantly attacked. Definitely, yep. yeah. And also I believe in generational curses yep. mm. handed down. Yeah, well that is biblical, yep. generational curses. And generational blessings as yeah. well. Yes. Um, man, I, that, that's quite interesting listening to this, you know, like you've gone through, and we haven't even got to the, the part that we had talked about previously. <laughs> this this is all new, and um, but you'd gone gone through this this mental health uh, hospital, and it's 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 amazing because we've just come out of this pandemic, right? It's two thousand and twenty-two. Uh, I don't know what the date is. What is it? The fourth of May. May, and their mental health is at its peak it's higher than it's ever ever been statistically it's I, I i don't know the statistics but it is really really high and it's like god has equipped you back in those days to have that compassion and that understanding and knowing all right Heniatu, i'm going to put you here i'm going to build this endurance here because it's going to peak here yes and i'm preparing the soldier going through training here different kind of training than war, but still war, spiritual mm. war, and you're going to be battling for me here. And how cool is that? You know, it's pretty, I mean, it's not cool, but it's, it's amazing. It's I pretty think. awesome when you realise that it is that. Yeah. yeah. But when you're... When you're going through it. Walking through the dark <laughs> yeah. and you don't know, you know. No. Um, That's Because I'm 39 now. And mm. I've only just, I think, from 35, woken up to that yep. realisation. Because yeah. before that it was like, you know, woe is me. Why is this my life? Like, is everybody else having messed up life like this or what? You know, yeah. I didn't know yeah. um, what to think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you had been talking to these sisters that were at the, were they at the mental ward? Is no, right? so like I had a um, demonic attack um, and it freaked me right out. This was after I um, got out of the ward. What happened? Okay. Um, if you don't mind me asking. <laughs> you don't well, have to I had had, I had had one um, before my brother passed away. Mm -hmm. I had had um, an attack on me and... Um, <clears throat> Basically, this demon came and told me my brother was going to kill himself. Wow. He actually um, told me the whole order of when my family members were going to die, starting Jeez. with my brother. Seriously? Yes. And I was only, um, I think this happened when I was about 12 or 13, so this is a couple of years before my brother died. But um, it was really, really freaky. And, um, yeah, so... Did he come in a dream or did he come... In the physical. He came in the physical? Yeah. 
Just in your bedroom? Yeah. And pinned me down to the bed and then spoke to me and said, you know, in that mocking voice that they speak in, mm. um, I don't know if, you know, you've heard that yeah. voice. Um, and just basically mocked me and said, you know, ha, 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 Haniatu, your brother's mm. going to kill himself. Wow. And then, you know, proceeded to tell me um, what would happen to the rest of my family. And I was like, I didn't understand what any of that was. Like, to me, I just called them the night monsters, you know, mm. or Mr. Blobby. Like, if I saw things when I was younger, I always tried to explain away um, mm. what was going on. But other people in my family are spiritual as well. Mm. So... Um, they saw things too, yeah. but I just didn't know to what degree mm. until, I, until I started uh, opening up about it, you know, mm. like asking my grandma things and stuff like that. And then she was like, oh, that's normal, you know. Wow. Like to see those um, devils, she would say. Yeah. Wow. So that was your first one. And then once you got out of the ward, you had another one. Another. Oh, I've been getting attack? demonically attacked since I was young. Oh, wow. That, that was your grandma. That was. The Christian grandma. Yes. That had told you that that's, they're, they're real. Yes. It's interesting that they say yeah. that because some, some Christian grandmas these days uh, will try and shelter people, yeah. uh, shelter their, their grandchildren about that and say that it's the boogeyman and it's just in their mind rather than. Um, well, my, my grandmother was, before she became a Christian, she was, you know, heavily into Māoridom. Okay. And and all that stuff that comes with it. Do you want to it. explain what that is for our listeners? Um, so just um, I would call it witchcraft practices. Yeah. You know, um, she would talk to, um, you know, spirits and mm. stuff and leave them like bread or water or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Um, and she had, you know, like there's gifts that God gives us. Mm. Um, but my grandmother had like a very strong <laughs> prophetic gifting. And like, I think when you're not with the Lord, yeah, those gifts are used on Absolutely. the other side, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so like she just knew things. She knew, like, when my brother died, she was the first phone call in. Yep. She she rung in, like, a minute. Wow. Wow. After he died, and I answered the phone and was like, you know, I went to go and tell her, and she said, I know, because um, the wind is blowing at my house. And I was like, you know, what's that got to do with, you know, oh. my brother being dead? And she said, because when he would come and um, mow on my lawns, yeah. The wind would always blow inside of my house when he was here, even though it wasn't windy outside. Yeah. <laughs> so she knew it was him. Wow. Wow. And just things like that, you know. Man. Um. So yeah. All right. So what happened after you had gone through the mental ward up at Starship? You had experiences with this serial killer idealist and then broken away from that to return back to Tauranga? Yes. Yeah? 
And so one of those twins, um, they were um, friends with my best friend's mum, who um, was a Christian lady. And I was getting like so demonically attacked that I was desperate, like I didn't know where else to sort of go. I'm young. Mm. Um, if I tell the hospital, they say you're having a, you know, another mm. episode or something, let's send the respite team. Mm. Um, I didn't want to be on their medicine. They had diagnosed me with having like clinical depression and schizophrenia and mm. all these other things and they were feeding me up on their medicine but I felt like I was a zombie yeah and I hated their medicine and um yeah like looking back I was grieving mm. but they didn't see that mm. yeah 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 so understandably um, really you just lost your brother. Yeah. 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 I guess, though, for me, the grief was like, um, well, towards them, it probably looked different than grief because I've always seen things. And mm. so that was like hyper, you know, yeah, I was hearing true. voices, you know, so that's why they were like, oh, you might be schizophrenic and because mm. um, it's not normal to hear voices, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um. But that's all the spirit realm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We had this guy on the podcast a little while ago. His name's Remy. And um, he had always heard voices in his head and he attuned them to his voices. And they were voices like, you know, go sleep with this girl and um, very much like around sexual encounters yes and um he honestly thought that it was his just his thoughts and then he had this uh this moment when he was surrounded by some christian friends and he went into a, a demonic episode and they prayed for him and then when he came out of it he said for the first time in my life my mind is silent and he didn't realize. He said, I thought they were my voices. I thought they were my thoughts. But they weren't my thoughts. No. He said, for the first time, they're silent. It's awesome. They're yeah. planted there. Mm. Mm. So was that similar to yes. your experience? You had yep. these thoughts coming through and... Yeah, just telling me, kill yourself. You know, you're not loved. You're not wanted. There's nobody left now mm. that, that you really love. Um you know, because like I said, my brother, we were very close. Yeah. You know, I'd go um, hang out with my friends or something and he would like walk, you know, he thought I didn't know, <laughs> but he would be like not far behind me, like mm. if I was going somewhere, um, yeah. you know, and it was late or whatever, my brother would always be close by. Wow. And like I know that he tried to keep his distance because, you know, I was a teenager and stuff, but I always saw him like close by mm. when I was you know um, out and about mm. like especially at dark time yeah. yeah but like even if I'd go and play at the park or whatever he would be a stone's throw away and half the time I didn't realize that but I you know as I started getting a little bit older I was like my friends were like oh why is your brother always you know and <laughs> I was like oh he just keeps an eye on me yeah you know yeah. wow it was kind of embarrassing, 
but at the same time, really um, like reassuring. Yeah. Yeah, because our neighbourhood wasn't the best. Yeah, you had that safety right there. Yeah, and, you know, all the stuff that had happened, you know, yeah. from when I was young was still sort of swirling around because we were still in the same town. Yeah. yeah. So you live on edge. Mm. Yeah. You know, of like, oh, is this the day, um, you know, that they're going to come back again. Yeah, just never knowing. Yeah, because in all of that, my brother joined the rival gang. So oh, the, the 16-year-old one at the time yeah, that was sh- he, shooting. To keep himself safe, because mm. um, after that, you know, he had a target on mm. him. And um, so I guess to keep himself safe, he thought, you know, I'll get... I'll, Join the um, rival yeah. gang, mm. and so I was like in my head at that time thinking, well, they could come back or just whatever. Yeah. And mm. them aside, the neighbourhood wasn't safe. Mm. It's full of like alcoholics and drug addicts and mm. yeah. So, um, how long until you moved to Christchurch? Oh, um, so I think I moved to Christchurch in 2001. I came down here to study um, IT. Mm. And, um, yeah, that was when I first moved here. I've lived in Christchurch a few times. Oh, okay. (laughs) Back and forth. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I, yeah, I moved down here, um, 2001, I think it was. Um, and I come down here, like I had an auntie that was living here, but besides her, no other family, but I just wanted to get away from, um, it was like, you know, I look back and you can't leave the past behind cause you take it with you mm. yeah. sort of in a sense. But I just didn't want to, um, I thought, you know, I chose Christchurch on a map. Oh, yeah. With a spin the bottle. I oh, really? Three, yeah, so there was three places that I could go, um, move to for this course. One was Auckland, one was Wellington, and one was Christchurch. Mm. And so the bottle spinned onto Christchurch. And I said to my friend, you know, wherever this bottle lands, I'm going to move there. And enroll at that that school. Yeah. And she was like, you know, that's just crazy, you know. Um, but I'd done that, and Christchurch was the one, and I found out, oh, I've got an auntie there, so that worked out. Um, but then I met uh, my ex partner now, um, and then. Throughout the years, we had uh, two children, and um, it just all went downhill from there. Well, it was already going downhill, but it went further downhill. Hmm. Yeah. So, can you explain what, like, what does downhill mean? So, um. All of this is what I could see when I look back, but none of it could I see when I was there. Mm. So it's like a hindsight view. Yeah. 
Um, so basically, um, he was a drinker. And when we first met, he said that he was just, uh, you know, after work. Um, he led me to believe that he was a social sort of drinker. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And um, I had had, you know, a problem with uh, alcoholics. Like I didn't want to be with an alcoholic. Mm. Yeah. Um, just because of my upbringing and... Did um, one of your parents, they, they had lots of drinking? Yes. Yep. Yep. I was brought up around a lot of drinking. Oh, yeah. And so... It's quite common in New Zealand, isn't it? Yes. The, the drinking the culture. culture. Yeah. 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 Um. So, yeah, I just, I didn't want to be with an alcoholic. But he had said, you know, I just, um, you know, drink socially or... Mm. after work or whatever mm. and so yep. I saw no problem with that um, because I thought well if you're working hard then sure mm. you know uh, but it became very apparent that that was not true mm. and so yeah he was um, a heavy drinker a binge drinker and it just was toxic like, I was always looking after him, mm. you know. Um, it's always spewing up, and it just it affected everything. Mm. Um, and you had two little kids? Yes, the by then. Well. Um, well, it's just, it's a real, um, it's a real intense story. So, when my oldest daughter was born um she was uh taken into oranga tamariki care when she was only a few months old and that was because um she had a a fractured femur and some kind of head injury so is that that's child support workers is it uh That, that care that's no. just for just for those that can't speak Maori. Oh, uh, so that's um, child world. youth and family services. Okay, yep. That's what they used to be known as. Um, so she was, yeah, she was injured, and then um, taken. You know, mm. I took her to the hospital because I wasn't home at the time. Um, but when I come home, I took her to the hospital because she was crying. Mm. Um, and I thought something's wrong, you know. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that, you know, was what was what had happened to that yeah. extent. Yeah, no way. Um, so I was sitting there, you know, freaking out, um, and just in disbelief, basically. And I didn't know what had happened, like mm. what the story was. Um, and I wasn't allowed to be sort of near her. There were people watching and. Wow. And so then the they police, had you know, that you had somehow hurt, caused they had this. they had thought that I had intentionally um, hurt her. Yeah. Wow. Um, and like I was a new mum, first child, and mm. just. So how old was your your eldest daughter at this point? She was like maybe three or four months old. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very young. 
yep, really young. Um, and like I didn't know what had happened to her, but I was like, something has obviously happened. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So um, apparently, you know, there were other people around, and you know, um, just all this stuff. And we had had a fight. Me and her father had had a fight and he had shoved me into her cot, you know, the night before. Mm. And so in my mind I was thinking it might have something to do with that. But Mm. then I was like, nah, because she was fine after Mm. that, you know. Mm. Um, And, yeah, so, you know, the police investigated it and then, you know, nothing further came but um, child, youth and family kept her. Well, that's really rough. Yeah. Especially when you see she's so young, maybe yeah. three or four months old. I was heartbroken. Yeah. You know, because I didn't know what the story was, but like when I look back, he didn't want a child. Okay. And so um he never said that though. And um yeah, when I look back he was very nasty. Um, towards us after mm. she was born. Like, it was like no. everything was okay. I mean, he was still an alcoholic and, you know, all of that, but everything was okay with us until she was born. Mm. It was like this intense jealousy came, mm. um, yeah, when she was born. Wow. wow. But I never saw any of that either mm. at the time. I was just like... Always coming up with excuses like, oh, maybe he's just adjusting to being a dad, you mm. know, and all this other stuff. And Yeah, you're always trying to look on, on the brighter side, you know. Yeah, and, like, yeah, and you don't like know, sort of you thing. know. Yeah. You don't actually like, because I was a new parent and I was like, well, mm. of course the relationship's going to change and stuff. And like when he'd get angry or whatever, I would excuse away his behavior, mm. you know, like, oh, he's had a hard day at work and there's a newborn and, oh, I should have cleaned up and just all this other stuff. And um, I would do that because I was brought up that way, mm. you know. that That's the other thing. So I was, like, conditioned um, through the way my family was to be like that. Mm. Yeah. You know, like, I didn't know anything was wrong yeah. because that was our normal. Yeah. So... It's interesting. You're, you're taking the, the problem and you're reflecting it onto yourself rather than looking at it more objectively um, and including your partner and mm. in potentially being the problem, but always going, maybe it must be something I'm doing. Mm. And that happens a lot today. Yeah. Yeah. And and because you're, um, <clears throat> yeah, because you're, I don't know how to explain it, but... Being in like a, it's, it's like if you're in a dysfunctional environment, you just get more of that, mm. Yeah, you know, um, and it's the same as like, I didn't know what healthy relationships looked like mm. and I was such a person that was so rejected, so looking for love. I was the prime target mm. for someone like that, mm. you know? Yeah. I was caring. I was kind. Yeah. 
Mm. I would go above and beyond. Um, and so when you're like that, people will take you for a ride, yep. mm. you know, like they'll really use you. And, mm. and, and I had no boundaries, mm. like boundaries are only a concept I've recently discovered. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, years and years of that, um, just, it got progressively worse, like the relationship, you know, um, because in the back of my mind, I was thinking always about that time, like when she was in hospital and stuff, and mm. um, like who done it, and mm. I wanted someone to be held accountable. And yeah. did you ever find out? Yes, I did, and we'll come to that um, at the end of my yeah. story. Um, but just yeah, it was a really. Really tough place to be in. Mm. It, I was 21 years old and newborn. Didn't even know how to look after the baby. Mm. Um, just learnt on the road, I guess. Yeah. How to be a mum and stuff like that. And then, um, so yeah, she was taken away by the, the government. And then um, we stayed together for a little bit. And then... We split up, and then I moved to Hamilton and um, went to a program for mums and stuff because mm. I was like, no, I want my daughter back. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I stayed there in the residential um, place, mm. and um, I think she was about 16 months or around there when I got her back in my care. Wow. And then we moved, you know, um, to another place. That's a long time not having her. Yeah. It was a really long time. Did you get to go visit? Oh, yeah. So I, um, she was a few months, I don't maybe eight months or something like that before they, but between eight to 12 months um, before they allowed me to like, um, we moved in together to a, the nest. It's a program where, you know, um, mums like do parenting courses and the kids are there and then you've got like supervision and all that sort oh. of stuff. Mm. Mm. Um, but that whole process was just, um, it was real crazy. Like, because on one, one hand, like my mind was like, who done this? Yeah. Mm. The other hand, I'm getting accused of doing it. Yeah, you're the one yeah. that gets you the know? blame on it. You had to go through um, all of that. And, like, I wasn't home mm. when it happened, you know. And so it was like, mm. you know. That's rough, yeah. I don't know what to say to you, but mm. I didn't do it. Yeah. Mm. Um, but so I went to this, this course and stuff and moved in with her, and that was good, you know, rebonding time um, and... You know, everything was fixed on her and stuff like that. Um, but then it would have been, I don't know how much longer, maybe six months or seven months later, I got back with her dad. Mm. And then had my next daughter. And by this stage, he couldn't, you know, keep a job or 
just, you know, he was real bad with his drinking and um, I'm pretty sure he was doing drugs then, Mm. but I didn't know Mm. at the time, but the behaviour was so erratic. Um, When I look back, I was like, oh, yeah, he was, you know, on some kind of drugs. Mm. Um, And again, I didn't really notice it because I was... Busy trying to be a mum. Yeah. You know? Um, your focus was entirely on your daughters. Yeah, on my kids, you know. Yeah. And and when I look back, like, sometimes, like, in those early years, like my oldest daughter sometimes asked me, you know, why did you stay, you know? And I said to her, at the, at the beginning, I stayed because I wanted my children to have a father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be a single mum without Mm. my kids having a dad. Mm. I thought that was like the worst thing in the world for them. Um, Turns out the worst thing in the world was staying. Mm. Wow. Um, But again, I didn't have that. I didn't have the the hindsight that I have now or the foresight that I have now Mm. um, back then. So, yeah. so after that happened, yep, we got back together and, you know, it was just domestic violence and just a toxic relationship. You know, there were good moments, but um, we were so wrong for each other, mm. you know. You know, he was not the person that God mm. um, had set aside for me, Yeah, you know. And I wasn't good either, you know. I'm not trying to put all the blame on him. Um, But it was just, we were like the opposites of each other. Wow. You know, there was like something very, um, like polar magnets drawn to each other. And like, if we were good together, we were really good. Mm. But if we were bad, we were just... Really bad. Really bad. Um. So, yeah, um, I just endured that. Um, I don't know how, I think, just by suppressing it. Mm. Um, Somehow I just got up and lived another day and I just, like, focused myself around my kids, you know. Yeah. Mm. Kindy mum and, you know, baking and just threw myself into all of that sort of stuff and somewhere along the way I lost myself too, you know. Like I used to be, um, well, I felt like I was a person, like a a person with more, um, what's the word for it, like more, not characters, um, what's that word for like when you're, like you're not just a mum, you're, you know, yourself and then you're... Like, oh, when you're two-faced? No, not two-faced. Um, like I used to feel like a, a full person before. Oh, yeah. Now you're like a sort of diluted. Yeah. Yep. I, I became like, I felt like, oh, I'm just a mum now, you know, mm. and that's all I do. I'm just a mum, you know, and I loved being a mum um, because... My heart really, all I ever wanted to be in life was be a mum, you know. 
um, like if I had one wish. But it felt just isolating because of the relationship. Yeah. Like it was like not just being a mum, it was like taking on everything. Mm. You know, I had to pay all the bills and um, it was just really abusive. What would you, um, if you were able to talk to yourself, your past self, what would be some advice? Get out. Get out. That's so if not you're, love. If you're in an abusive relationship, yeah. it's, it's not, not worth staying. No, I would have ran. Yep. Um, yep. If I knew, if I knew what I know now, I would have ran. You know, <laughs> real quick. Mm. Mm. So how long were you with this man? Mm. About fifteen years. Oh wow, that's quite a long time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. On again, off again, but 15 years. And then, so later, um, later on, uh, we moved to Perth. So we left Christchurch and we moved to Perth. And um, that's when, you know, the next level um, dramas started happening. So while I was in Perth, um, I got um, introduced to methamphetamine. And, um, like, I hadn't done it while I was here, but growing up, you know, um, I was exposed to all sorts of drugs. Yeah. I'd seen it before. Um, yeah. But I hadn't, like, I just, I knew, like, inside of me that it was a bad drug. Because, like, you know how you see all the ads on TV? Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, don't, like... Not even once. Yeah. Ads, those Because yeah. those ads were going around, like, before I, you know, mm. tried it. Um, but there was so much... Uh, like, in my head, I thought, oh, you know... You're the con, you know, like you're in control of your own life. Mm. You know, if they, the drug surely can't have that much. Was there um, a, a moment, uh, like, a, was there a moment that made you go, like, what was the moment that made you tilt towards? Okay, maybe I will try it. What what happened? So it was my ex partner. So. I believe that he was on it already. Right. And, um, like, life was just toxic with us and it was really hard to bear. Mm. But I put on a brave face all the time. Um, I've pretty much done that my whole life. Just, you know, like, been through some intense, traumatising things and I just mm. shelve it mm. because I couldn't cope with it. Yeah. But what I didn't realise at the time was that by you shelving it and not dealing with it and not processing it and not expressing it, you're just setting yourself up for a dramatic um, Mm. fall Mm. when it all comes tumbling down because you can't just keep stacking things underneath no rug and expect, you know, you're just going to climb the mountain all the time. It has to end. It it has to come, you know, back. At some stage, you know. Um, And so, like, this was all going on, like, internally. 
and um, he was going to work in Perth and doing drugs and just like there's a big drug culture over there, mm. you know, Okay. Um, because of the money, right. excess money and stuff like that. And um, I, it's something I never, ever thought I would get into, you mm. know. Like I didn't drink. Mm. Um, I was quite straight mm. yeah. um, for someone that's, you know, had my life. Yeah, you've had all the excuses to probably dive into alcohol or... Yeah, yeah. I, but I just, I didn't want to because I've mm. seen, you know, like some seen people go into it yeah. and yep. some people turn away, mm. you know. Um, and that's my, you know, relationship with alcohol. I just don't like it. I mean, I could have a couple, but I would never get hooked on alcohol yeah, because of what I've seen it, you know, do. Mm. So in my mind, though, when you think of methamphetamine, some kind of justification happens in your head, like, oh, this is not alcohol. Mm. Yeah. So this might be okay, you know. And so while that process was going on in my head, like, should I do it? Um, That undertone of grief, trauma, and like... There was a lot of violence happening. So yeah. it was like I wanted an escape. Yeah. Mm. And I thought, well, it's just going to be this one time. Mm. So we're at, at a pub and my ex was drinking and stuff. And then there was a guy there um, that was selling it. And um, it was like in its pure form. And... I remember, like, my ex saying, you know, let's, we should buy that. And I was like, nah, you know, I, I was a bit tipsy at the time. Mm. I remember, but I was like, how much is that, you know? Mm. And he was like, oh, it's only $100 or something like that. And I was like, you know, what does it do? Um, so, yeah, he was just, like, really, like, pressuring me to buy it. Mm. Mm. Do you yeah. think maybe because... You had the money, or he just kind of wanted some, and you uh, kind of well, how to get it. Now I like I know what I know, which yeah. was that he was on it. Mm, yeah, and so he mm. wanted a fix, and he yeah. wanted me to pay for it. Yeah, right. But didn't want to make it look like he was already on it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, you know, and they didn't say it was meth. Mm. He just the guy just said, you know, you should try some of this, you know. So I was a bit naive like that because I thought, oh. That's actually probably some really good advice for anybody listening. If anybody offers you something, you know, it might you might not even realise what you're about to do. Mm. Um, so if you say to yourself, like 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 you said, Heniatu, um, you, you would never see yourself doing meth. If yeah. he had said, yeah, it's meth, would there have been a different outcome? I think that I would have thought, you know, yeah, um, you know, twice about that mm. because in my head, I was like anti meth. Mm. Yeah. You know, like I'd heard on the, you know, well, yeah, show was, what had happened and stuff, but I didn't really. There's pretty good ads on it, eh? Yeah, 
And I, I still remember those ads, you know. Mm. Um, but it was presented in a different way as well. Like I hadn't seen it in its whole crystal form. Right. So it was in solid. He, he came with like a solid rock. Oh, really? Oh, and right. I was like, what are you supposed to do with this, you know? Yeah. yeah. And what are you, suck on it? Like I'd been exposed <laughs> to so much drugs like in my life. Like I knew what cocaine looked like and yeah. all those other things. And I was like, oh, this must just be, you know, not too bad sort of thing. Mm. Um, but they they call it by different names in Australia, you know. Mm, right. And so anyways, I brought it. And then I think my ex-partner, you know, took some out of it or whatever. Yeah. And I still wasn't interested in it. You know, um, so I actually didn't have any of it that night. Right. He took some out and then, you know, said to me, oh, you know, put this in your bag and don't lose it or whatever. And I was like, okay. And then it would have been the next day. I was like, oh, you know, hung over and thinking, oh, you know, I've got drugs. And... I actually didn't touch it for a whole week. Wow. Yep. Yeah, there's rock on you. Yep. It just sat week. in my cupboard wow. for a whole week. How big was it? Um, It wasn't that big because it was only $100, which is... So like as big as a 10-cent coin? No. Like... Smaller than that. Like your fingernail. Your fingernail. Maybe your fingernail. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. It's not cheap. Yeah. And you don't get a lot um, yeah. for it. But over there um, is more pure mm. than here right. in New Zealand. So, um, yep, so it was it stayed up there and I just sort of, you know, done my school week with the kids and stuff. And then the weekend came and then my ex-partner was like, oh, what did you do with that, that bag you got? Mm. And I was like, oh, it's um, still up in the cupboard. Why? And he was like, oh, I thought you would have, you know, taken it by now. And I was like, I don't even know what you're supposed to do with it. You know? And he said, oh, well, you don't have a pipe. And, like, again, did not realise all mm. of this paraphernalia. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, that he knew all of that. Mm. And I didn't. And, like. I didn't click onto that. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, you don't have a pipe, so you should just um, crush it, crush it up and snort it. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then so he took another piece of it and then went off to work. And while he was at work, I thought, oh, I'm going to try this. And so I done what he said, and then just got really, really high. Like, just it transforms your. It gives you a false sense of euphoria. Wow. You know, it gives you a false sense of everything is fine. Well, this is the first, the first time. Yeah. They say that the first time is the time that you know. Um, you can't beat. Oh, right, and you just 
that's how people get hooked because you always want that same. Yes, you're always chasing yep. um, that first high. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're always um, – your highs after that aren't the same as that first time, that first sense of euphoria. Um, how long does it last? That um, that depends on the purity of what whatever you're taking. Yeah, you know, the less pure it is, the less mm. um, effects that it has on you. Now, did you find that you were? Because I know with lots of drugs, sometimes people almost see the spiritual a little bit more real, or is um, this a little bit different? At that time, like on that first time, no. Mm. Um, but subsequent times, yes. Yeah. Um, I did start seeing into the spirit realm and I just thought, you know, um, it's because of the drugs, mm. you know, because yeah. it opens the door, mm. especially meth. Um, but I just like, after that first time, I just felt really what, what I thought was happy, mm. but it's, it's all false. Yeah. You're not really happy. Um, it's just, it's a drug that brings on delusion. Mm. And so basically after that first time, I wanted it again, mm. you know. And um, then I started smoking it, injecting it. Um, and then just, yeah, carried on. Like that. Just creates that huge domino effect. Because you get a, a real high high, but then you get almost get a little bit lower when you come off it. Is that right? Yeah, so you get like this. Um, what it does is it releases um, your happy hormones, your pheromones mm. in your head, um, dopamines. Yeah. So like, you know, when you um, work out or whatever, mm. you know, after your workout you feel that release. Mm. Yeah. Well, it blows that. Um, reward center mm. the the myth does that so it like pushes the buttons but you can't keep like um demanding pleasure and mm. the reward center from your brain without something else suffering yeah. so when you come down um you're agitated mm. you're irritated you're angry you're mm. just the opposite of yeah. Euphoric, you know. Yeah. Almost becomes extreme. It's depleted. It? Yeah. You know? It's depleted all of the um, feel good mm. hormones in your body. And then the lack of sleep, mm. um, seeing things and just, yeah, just completely delusional drug um, changes who you are as a person, mm. you know, alters you, numbs you. Um, numbs you to reality Mm. and you know it starts with that that beautiful what seems as a beautiful high Mm. and then it's robbing you yeah like and you don't even know it because you think oh yeah it's just you know i'm just getting high like before but each time that you do it it numbs you more and more and more until Mm. you're like um bad is good Mm. and good is bad Basically, well, you know, you have no sense of um, morals and mm. you just want the drug, basically, yeah. do anything for the drug. It starts to control your life. It takes over. Yeah. Yep. 
you become a slave to it. Yeah, definitely a slave. Yep, and anything else doesn't matter. Mm. But you're hit. Mm. <clears throat> so, how did your your kids respond to knowing that you had started taking this? How old were they at this time when you moved to Perth? Um, they were three. And five, I think, around about that age. Okay. Um. So they didn't know. Yeah. So at the beginning, I kept it very, um, like I had this mindset that like, like most drug users are the same, you know, fooling themselves. But mm. we have these mindsets of like, um, if I just um, do it on these certain days then I can be a um, controlled mm. user. Right. You know, what they call functional yeah. mm. um, addiction. Yeah. And so it started off with that. Mm. So Monday to Friday, I'd be up for my kids, getting them all sorted, um, going to their sports, all of that. They were well looked after. And then I'd just, like, use on the weekends – and like they'd either be babysat or, you know, I would make sure that they weren't mm. um, around that. Yeah. Mm. But then when um, the other addiction sort of, well, when it sort of took over, mm. um, I don't think they like knew what was going on. Like there was a long period of times because they were too young and stuff. Um, but I don't think they really knew what was going on until like a lot later. Mm. But just like me, they can look back and go, oh, that's why mm, yeah. your behavior was weird and mm. stuff like that. But they didn't actually know um, that I was on it over there. Mm. They thought I was just on it when we came back here. Mm. Um and so, yeah, but it was just a, a really dark place to be. Mm. Like once addiction took its full hold on me, everything that was already toxic just mm. amplified itself because mm. mm. then now you've got two addicts. Yeah. yeah. And um, it makes you paranoid um, you know, like we were just always fighting about cheating and, you know, it makes you cheat. Mm. Um, it just pretty much every single thing that you can think of that's bad, mm. it'll bring out in you, Yeah, yeah. you know, it'll turn you into a liar, a thief, you wow. name it, it'll do it. And, and it's done in such a way that you don't even know. Yeah. Like. You're under a delusion, yeah, and you don't even know. Yeah, you think, oh no, no, I'm I'm woke, you know. Yeah, I'm wide awake, and I know what's going on in the world. Yeah, but no, no. it sounds horrible. It like, was horrible and extremely scary. And so, it and it preys on your um your traumas. 
Mm. You know, yeah. like it hit me so hard because I was so broken mm. without knowing that I was broken. Like mm. all of those um, events and things that I'd been through in my life, like I was saying earlier, were stacked up mm. on a shelf waiting to fall down. Yeah. I hadn't dealt with it. It was just like, oh, yeah, so my brother died, you know, so what, you know. Yeah. That's what happens. Mm. That that was like how I coped with mm. the loss. Um, and I'd done that throughout my whole life. Like when my parents divorced, oh, well, they fought anyway, you know. I'd always just find a way to try and justify mm. yeah. um, my pain and my trauma, but never dealt with it. So yeah. I had this bucket load of trauma, pain, mm. um, met with addiction, yeah. And then a toxic relationship of someone of the same, you know, mm. thing. And so, yeah, it just basically, um, all of that destruction culminated um, one one night in uh, 2018. And um, at the time, we were homeless um, because, you know, we couldn't live anywhere. Mm. Well, we were living somewhere, but the neighbours complained and, you know. Mm. Was this um, still in Perth? No, no, this is back here, sorry. Yeah. We'd come back here. Okay. So um, how long were you in Perth for? Uh, three years okay. over there. Yeah. Um, But I wanted to come back because I knew that... If I didn't come back, I wasn't going to make it back. Yeah. I knew that the drug had me. And you came back with your partner and the kids? Yeah, so I was trying to get back by myself. Um, I wanted to just come back with the kids. Mm. And I wanted to separate, you know, because it was so bad over there. Like the violence was just like God saved me. Yeah. You wow. know, when I look back, I know God saved me. Mm. And I was trying to get away from that. But then I always had this, like, um, I don't know why, but like a glimmer of hope. Like I'm always like, oh, you know, what if he changes and yeah. mm. stuff like that. Um, that was like a theme. Mm. And um, so he said, oh, you know, no, I want to come back. And I was like, oh, you know. Um, I suppose you can't hold him away from his kids as well. You know, that's yeah, well, it was just, it was really, really bad. It was like next level violence. Mm. So, like, he was like trying to stab, I was pregnant, and he was trying to stab my baby out of my stomach. Wow. Um, And, like, I didn't have any, well, I had a cousin over there, but I didn't have any family. And yeah. my. Didn't have that brother of protection. Yeah, I didn't have anything, you know. Um, and by that stage, you know, I had rung my mum and my sister and told them, look, you know, I'm addicted to yeah. meth, you know. And then my mum was worried because she's all the way over here. Mm. And they're like, you know, how did that happen and all that mm. sort of stuff. And yeah. But it was just, it was becoming a um, a fight over the drugs, Yeah, you know. Like, we'd just buy all these drugs and then um, 
the more you get into it, like you, you fiend. So you get really like addicted and then like it's a real twisted um, place. So like you just want it so bad that you'll like steal and lie, mm. you know. So he was yeah. always wanting it and, you know, yeah. ripping me off and just a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't present at the beginning, you know, mm. in the honeymoon phase, if you like, yeah. of the drug. Yeah. You know, where you've only see the good effects. Now it was like all of my money was gone. Mm. All of his money was gone. Um, but my kids were still eating. Yeah. You know, because I was like, no, my kids are going to eat and yeah. I'm going to do this before the drug. Mm. So that was still intact. Um, but when we got back, it just, yeah. The, the whole theme of abuse and, and stuff is just like, um, it just carried on and it was like insane violence. Just like, yeah. Um, the, the dark things I've seen, I don't repeat. Mm. Um, not just with, in my life, you know, just that world is yeah. so dark, so demonic Mm. Um, yeah, you kind of like have to live there. It's interesting to know it. Yeah, no, I, I, I've not that I understand this because I've never never been down this road. But if we look at um, witch doctors and uh, shamans and things like that, they usually use these different chemicals to enhance their mind to get to the point where they can talk face-to-face with these demons mm. and things like that. And, and it makes you wonder, eh, you know, what are they doing to stimulate which part of their brains, which open up that door to mm. that spiritual realm, that then you've got these demons that you're talking to face-to-face and they're doing things for you and you're doing things for them. Yep. And that's where it, that's where it starts to lead. Well, well, oops. Well, from a spiritual side of things, what you don't realize is that you doing those drugs, you're sinning for yeah. God. Mm. And what people don't understand is that opens the door right yeah. there. That gives the demons legal right to come in. Mm-hmm. You know, because like when I first started it, I was just like normal. You know, my normal self. Um, and then after, like, a few weeks, then I'm lying to everyone, mm. like concealing, like, from my mum and my sister and stuff like that. And then, um, so, like, white lies turn into huge ones. Yeah. Mm. And then, um, like, I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm. And then, like, elaborate schemes are coming because yeah. you need to get more money to get more gear, yeah, yeah. more smoke, you know. And, but it just, it just twisted me so much. Like, it was like I went from being someone I knew to someone I didn't even recognize. Mm. And I didn't even know how I got there. It's like little step by little step. And then suddenly you're miles off. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like gradual, you know, like at the time it felt like the changes weren't even occurring. Mm. Um. But this is what I speak about is all what I can see now, yeah. now that I'm out of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so you came back to New Zealand and your your partner came with you, even yeah. though you were trying to escape. Um, what did you, did you get a support group around in New Zealand or were you still trying no, to get married? No, so um, in between that, so I um, got in another relationship while we were in Australia and had my youngest daughter. Yep. Um, and that was not to my ex-partner. Yep. And that was where the whole, you know, he wanted to stab the baby out of my stomach thing came from. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yep. Um. Because it wasn't his child. Yes. Yeah, got it. Yep. But then he was like, oh, okay, you know, we'll make a go of this and um, I'll be the dad and stuff. And I was like, okay, but I don't want to be on that anymore. Mm. So come back to New Zealand and um, live with my sister and my family for a bit. But my pregnancy was all messed up. I don't know whether it was because of the drugs or what. Um, but did I had you to go, have her early. Did you end up not needing the meth while you are on the drugs? Because, or did you continue? Um, so when I went to hospital, they treated me as a drug seeker. Um and, like, they wouldn't give me medicine or it was very, okay, you know, and I was, like, in my head, I was in real bad pain. Um, and, like, I was in actual pain. I would scream and, you know, mm. and they wouldn't, yeah, they just, like, left me screaming there until one day I, let, I screamed, like, the whole building down. Wow. And then they all came running in. And this was um, from, like, complications with the pregnancy? Or, yeah. 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 I had like some nerve, um, they found it later, but like they couldn't diagnose it while I was pregnant. They had an idea, but all the things that I needed to do to um, confirm it, they couldn't do. Like they couldn't x-ray me because something would happen to the baby or Mm. something. Um, They couldn't put me in that swirly machine. Mm. So they just done like the basic, Mm. you know, like the... Um, baby, or, yeah. yeah, they just used those and stuff because they said, oh, there's a big risk that the baby could get blinded or something like that. And I was like, oh, well, I don't want that, you mm. know. I'll just put up with the pain because it's not long to go now. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so they just said, you know, wrote on my notes that I was a drug seeker for, I don't know, codeine or whatever their dumb drugs were. Um, I was just like, in my head, I remember at the time thinking, man, I'm a crack addict, you know, a meth addict, not um, codeine or yeah, not codeine. whatever yeah. these tramadol, you know, I don't Probably even know. Probably quite low like, level compared. <laughs> yeah, just like do nothing but relieve pain. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, like downers, you know, they, mm. they um, just satisfy you, like keep you like pain free and like zombie. Mm. But I was addicted to uppers. Yeah. You know, yeah. mess that, you know, makes you go running around like a, you know. Like you're a superhero yeah. sort of thing, yeah. Think you're bulletproof and stuff. Yeah. And mm. I was thinking, why are they not giving me drugs that, you know, um, quell this pain? But even when they did give me the drugs, it didn't work because I had a nerve problem. So what was happening was, you know, like normally when your brain's signaling pain, the nerves, um, there's a cut off where mm. the brain stops, you know. Oh, okay. 
the end of the nerves from sending that signal. Right. Um, but mine didn't have one, so it was like okay. pain, 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 pain wow. all the time. Um, and yep, so my daughter was born early, and um, for a little bit after that, um, I got off the drugs, you know, and I, and I was off the drugs um, when we got back from Australia, you know. Okay. I just went, well, cold turkey, well, pretty much because um, of the pregnancy and sickness. Yeah. Mainly the sickness. Yeah. You know. Um, he, of course, my ex, just carried on. Mm. Said he was off it, mm. but found out later he was buying it mm. from locally. Um, and then I got back on it again. Mm. And, yeah, so to cut a very, very long story, a little bit shorter, um, and to get to the part where I got out of that world. Mm. Um, so my my children we were homeless 2018, um, April, and um, my ex-partner assaulted me, and I called the police because it was a serious one, and um, the police came, took him away, um, left me there, and took my children, mm. said, oh, you know, this is not safe, you know. Um, they said that they were going to bring them back the next day, but that didn't happen. Um, and so I was there, bashed up, um, injured, and I didn't get offered any medical help. They just took my children in one police car and took my ex-partner in another one oh, wow. and left me there. Um and I had no phone, no nothing, because he had um, smashed them all up. So I couldn't, you know. I only had this little phone that um, rung the police in the beginning, but it had no credit or anything yeah. on it. And at this time, I was in a moon boot because I was in a car accident um, that almost, you know, took me out a few months before this. Wow. Yep. So uh, October... 2017 I was in a car accident and I had to get my leg um, re like metal put through it yep. and and that was a process of two two operations giant ones because the first one they didn't do it correctly oh, and man. my foot was malformed and I couldn't walk so they had to go break it again Oof. and then re do surgery so I was in a moon boot unable to walk very well anyway mm. before being, you know, assaulted. And um, I was really messed up. Like, I didn't want to be living like that, but I was in a headspace of, like, fear. Mm. Um, where would I go? And, like, people were like, oh, why don't you go to your sisters and stuff? But um, at the time, my sister had just lost her two sons in a car accident. So they both died on the same day. They were 16 and 18. And um, I like, I I know now that I wouldn't have been a burden, but at the time I just was like, nah, my sister's not going to have this, you know, me 
a drug addict along with, mm. you know, all the kids, even though, you know, we've spoken about it since and she was like, you should have just, mm. you know, um, but I just didn't want to put that on her because like where I was at was like, I'm so, I'm so messed up and stuff. Like I don't want her after she's just suffered that huge loss to have to like look after my kids and me yeah. as well, you know, like yeah. she's always done. Um, but that was the wrong decision. You know, I should have gotten out then again, but I didn't. Um, so yeah, the police took my, my children and then they, um, ended up in Oranga Tamariki, which is child, youth and family. And they sent them all, um, on a flight. And I didn't know any of this, um, to Christchurch from Tauranga. And so the next day I managed to get, um, you know, help from Women's Refuge and uh, into the place, which was just, um, I cried. I cried the first night I was there because we had been trying to get in there. Mm. Like I had been trying to get in there with my girls for ages and then I was told there's no room. Oh, wow. And then the night that, you know, my girls are taken from me and they, you know, I looked up and there was three beds mm. and I was just like crying because I was like, you know, if, you know, they had got there sooner or whatever, mm. they could have been sleeping in those three beds, you know. Yeah. Um. But I was just in a real messed up space. It, like the meth aside, like that that done its damage on top of. But I was very emotionally and um, mentally challenged. Mm. You know, like I didn't know. Um, like I wanted my kids to be safe, but I didn't know what to do. Yeah. There's um, there's this this book called The Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And um, it talks about, um, it's actually written from the demon's perspective towards us. So flipped around a little bit. And one advice that the demon gives, and, and I've said this before on the podcast a number of times, but your story in particular, the advice that the demon gives for their, he calls them their patients, which is us. He says, make your patient or us almost hit rock bottom but make sure they never hit rock bottom you want them to be miserable but never hit rock bottom hard enough for them to land on their knees because mm. when they're on their knees they'll cry out to the lord yes and that's when they are strong yep and he, they're just trying to keep you just that little bit off yeah do you find that that's where yes. you were sitting for a long long time yes Absolutely. And when my children were taken and I realized and they're like, cause I got a social worker and all that sort of stuff, I realized like what had happened and, um, like I was sober, you know, mm. I wasn't on it again. Um, I was just healing up. And, um, when I realized like what had occurred, I went from that place of holding that holding area, mm. like you describe to rock bottom because yeah. I'd lost my children. Yeah. yeah. So I'd lost my partner, even though things weren't good. 
Um, and I lost my children as well. Mm. And that was it. That was like the final straw for me was my mm. kids gone. And in the way it was done as well, like, like just like I was abandoned and left there injured. Yeah. Like the police didn't even get me woman's refuge or, you know, yeah. um, and I couldn't walk. So like yeah, the next be- day. You were beaten up yeah. by, your, by your partner. Yeah. You were already in a, had a, had a mangled foot yeah. from a car accident a few months ago. Then you had your, your kids robbed of you. So yeah. emotionally that And they had watched it. So yeah, that was wow. playing over in my head, my, my little girl's um, traumatized face. And, like, she had this little bottle of Pamol, you know, the little baby strawberry Pamol stuff. Mm. And, um, like, when the police came, she she was only three. And she come out and she gave it to me and she said, um, you can have my medicine, mummy, if you need it. Oh, wow. Because you've been hurt, you know. And, like, I still can see that in my mind, like her face. Um, Yeah. So I had, like, all this stuff, but it was like all the trauma came and met me at Mm. one raw point, like, you know, like the loss of my kids. Like, um, even though my life had been really traumatic, my kids had um, been my anchor point. Yeah. You know, like, I felt like when my kids were born, God used my kids to give me hope. Mm. That's the reason to keep going. You know, like, uh, yeah, like, I felt like, because when I was young, like, I felt so unloved that when my kids come along, I felt like, yay, God's given me Mm. something to love. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Somewhere to put my love and then they'll love you back. Mm. And... When when I you know found out that oh no they've been taken and um just all of that I just spiraled like um I was already like a live on the edge person anyway push the limits but when my kids got taken I just went hunting I went hunting for death wow you know like I was just like nah um and like the government you know. Child, youth, and family were like, "You're never going to get them back." Mm. Um, you know, painting up <clears throat> pictures of me that were <clears throat> half truths. Mm. You know, some of it was true, but a lot of it was just, um, you know, bigger than, mm. um, yeah, what it was meant to be. Yeah. So there I am facing, you know, like, oh, okay, I've lost my kids now. And, you know, pretty much every woman that's been on meth for a long time will lose her kids. Right. You know, that's pretty much just like the circle that I was in. None of them had kids. Wow. Yeah. They'd all been taken off. Wow. By the government. So what did you do that night or, or that Coming those coming so weeks like or months. just just for the next between April and August, I just um, you know like I just spiraled. I spiraled out of control. Like I wanted to go and fight for my kids, but I didn't know how. Mm. You know because um, they had just been whipped to Christchurch and like 
um, I didn't even know that all this stuff was happening, you know, like the mm. legal things that, oh, they're trying to get custody of them and, mm. you know, like that I was going to lose them forever, basically. But I couldn't even deal with any of that in my mind because I was still processing, like, being injured and yeah. just there was so much, you know, um, on me. But I know that they were my darkest, they were my darkest days, you know. Um, so, yeah, as I said before, I went out looking for death. I went into risky situations with dodgy as characters um, anywhere I could pretty much daily. Um, and then I was attempting to kill myself, you know, heaps of those times and um, just getting into really bad things in the hope that one of them would end my life. Mm. Did you, you have know? any support around you? Like, did you have your family kind of... No, I'd shut my family off. Mm. Um, you know, I was lying to them. Most of the time, um, because, you know, underneath all of it, I was ashamed or mm. I was just really messed up. Like, till this day, I cannot realise, like, I, I don't even realise how messed up I was. Mm. Like, to this day, my head cannot unscramble that mess. Mm. You know, I still can't, like, pinpoint, oh, this is why or yeah. it's so messy um, that I can't, but I know what I do know is that I wanted to die and I didn't care what the price was. I know that, um, that's why I was like, you know, going out all the time, you know, just looking for death, riding in fast, fast cars, you know, um, uh, so what was the... Just dangerous behaviour. Yeah. What what was the turning point from that part of your so life? So the turning point from that part of my life was an encounter with the Lord. So I come back, um, you know, from a party one night and it was just like... <clears throat> just... I was like so broken and I was like, I don't want to... I just like didn't want to live anymore, but at the same time felt like I couldn't die. Mm. It felt like something was um, intervening, mm. but like I see it now, yeah. but I just didn't understand it back then. Yeah, mm. it's just like this is just stupid, you know. Like my brother died, mm. you know, he killed himself quickly. Yeah. Why don't things like that work for me or why hasn't this happened or Yeah. It was you know, it was kinda like a I don't know, a place of deep sorrow, you know? And I just remember like coming back from this party and um I was out with a guy that's mother had been murdered, you know? And like all these roads when I look back, they all point to God. Mm. Every single one of them in some strange, weird or marvellous way, I can see him yeah. in my whole life story. But why this guy stands out is because he used to be a Christian. And then he was telling me that. And um, I could 
feel the pull, you know, towards God, like in that moment. Mm. Um, I don't really know how to describe it, but like it was like I was kind of getting woken up mm. a bit, you know. Like you were numb that whole time. Yeah, and then when he started talking, because I was like, Mm. man, why are you talking about God for? You know, I just thought it was like such a weird thing for a dude, you know, at a party to talk about. It was real strange. And um, he didn't smoke pee or anything. He was a drinker. But I just was like, well, that Sean, you sure know how to kill the conversation. You know, what a weird one. And then he was like, oh, no, I just mention it because, um, you know, my mum was murdered and stuff and my dad done it. And then I was like, oh, okay. This his is dad taken murdered a, his mum? Yes. Wow. And I was thinking, this is twisted, you know, like because I just wanted to stay in that zone of like I can't feel. Yeah. Because when I felt, I just wanted to die. But mm. even that place of high – I now wanted to die, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. I just couldn't do life anymore. And so he was talking about that. And then when he was talking about, like, through God, um, he's been, you know, able to um, work towards forgiveness, you know. Uh, but then he said, oh, but I'm a backslider and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay. And then I was reminded of those twins, that yeah. had, you know, and then I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. This is real weird. But I, for a moment there, um, that happened and it was like, when I look back, that was God starting to wake me up mm. for what came next. So um, I went home that morning and then I just remember saying, you know, like I'm done. I'm just, I'm over this existence. Like, I didn't even like, um, like, I didn't want to live like that anymore. Mm. Yeah. Not only a drug addict, but I just didn't want to live with that level of pain. Like, it was painful to to exist, mm. you know. Um, it was like all of my traumatic memories from my childhood and from my adulthood, and then what was happening just came to a big Meet in the middle, you know, mm. along with my addiction. And so um, this is where things started to change. So I um, said a prayer. Well, what I know to be a prayer now. But at the time it was just a, I actually meant it. The scary thing is I actually meant it when I said it. So I said this. I was just sitting there and I said, Murder me, God. Then I paused and said, or let, the, or let the devil murder me because I'm done. Wow. And I meant it. Like, I absolutely meant it with all of me that I can't do this anymore. Like, I just, I don't care if I go to hell. This is, this is you know, how crushed I was. I don't care if I go to hell as long as it's not here. Because this hell surely can't be worse than that hell, you know? Mm. Like, they must be the same. But just, I want to translocate mm. sort of thing. Yeah. You know? I had no idea what I was asking, you know. I thought I did. Um, and so 
I just said that, you know, in that place of brokenness. And then um, it would have been mm, not long, maybe a minute or two later, I heard a voice. And um, the voice said, I will not turn away from a contrite heart and a broken spirit. And I was like, um, first thoughts, that was weird. Second thoughts was, what's contrite mean? Because um, you got to remember, like, I'm still semi-high in this moment. Yeah. Um, and I've had lots of uh, out-of-this-world experiences. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I'm tripping. But... As that was said, um, I came to know who was talking to me, if that makes sense. Like, so it was that initial shock mm. of like, oh, am I high? Am I hearing things? And then um, as he kept speaking, I then knew, no, no, this is Jesus, mm. you know? And I just knew. I knew with every fiber of my being who he was. Um, was this after the party that you're talking to this? Yeah, so this was yep. That was after the party, and I'd gone home and like because like throughout that whole time, like I was just suicidal. Like I was just, you know, doing stupid things and going to stupid, dangerous places with dodgy people mm. that you know hurt people for fun, mm. hoping that that would be me. You know, yeah. like because I was just so broken. Like I was like, oh, I've got no kids. And just all of it, but the kids were the final, you know, yeah, the last like straw. the last yeah. straw of the camels breaking the back. And, um, yeah, I just remember think, feeling like real, like ultra empty after that conversation. Mm. Um, and then like on the walk home, I was just like, oh, no, nah, I'm done. And so, you know, um. Like, in between all this, I was homeless and, you know, like, obviously there's quite a lot to the story. Mm. So I'm just cutting things short. But I had moved in with my dad at this time. Um, so I was walking back to my dad's place. Um, and, yeah, I said that because I was just like, oh, I've had enough of this, mm. you know. Like, I'm over it. And... um <clears throat> Yeah, so he said that, and then when I realised <clears throat> um, what, it was like he said that, then I saw the meaning, because mm. uh, it was like from my head to my spirit man, Yeah, you know, and um, he said quite a, quite a few things to me, and I said to him, you know, I, I actually love this this feeling, you know of his presence, and I'd like to follow you, but then I'd be lying because I'm an addict. And when you go, I'll just, you know, go back to the meth. And he said to me, if you follow me, if you choose to follow me, I'll take it from you. And I just remember being like, you know what? 
I've got nothing else to lose. I've lost it all. Um, but the the mercy, his mercy just sticks with me, you know? Like, mm. so much happened to me in that, like, in that night, he just changed me. Wow. So not only did he supernaturally deliver me of the meth, so when I woke up the next morning, I didn't want it. Wow. That's I was huge. set free. And that does not happen. It doesn't. Well, it does. Well, with, I know of a couple of people now yeah. here in New Zealand that's had the same experience with, with God. the Lord. Yep. Wow. Yeah, but that's but what I mean. Like very rare. Outside, yeah. of the, outside of the Lord. Yes. That just... It no, it doesn't. It, it has doesn't. That, that, those hooks in you. Yep, and it doesn't because, you know, like my journey... Um, Did you have any um, uh, withdrawals? No. Wow. No come down. That is And he insane. promised me that as well because I said, oh, but if you take it, then I'll have to have the come down and I've already been up for like 10 days at that stage. So I was looking to like, I don't know, a two-week yeah, recovery wow. time wow. and was not looking forward to that. And um, he said, no, I'll take it from you. And then I said to him, I've done the Mary, you know, let it be so then, you know. Wow. Like Mary, when the angel came and said, you know, yeah. she said, yeah, I've done that. I said, okay. So overnight, you had overnight, all I your was changed. So overnight, I was born again. No, hang on. Overnight, I was repenting. Yeah. So he showed me, like, videos and videos and understood, like, of my life. And I understood what contrite meant was that he was saying to me that my heart was broken and mm. my heart was my spirit was broken and that I actually didn't want to be doing these things. Mm. And so he showed me um, that part of my heart of true repentance. Yeah. He showed me the truth and everything, um, you know, what actual repentance means. Yeah. Like I yeah. was on my hands and knees on my face actually mm. for about three or four days flat wow. crying before wow. the Lord. Yeah. Um, and in between that, like, got up, you know, is this real? You know, just, it was such a bizarre, you know, cause like, you got to remember I was smoking meth every single day before that. Yeah. Um, and I got so many goosebumps right now hearing that. <laughs> just like pinching myself and like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't want it. And then I started smashing my pipes and getting rid of the needles and all that stuff. And then. Some of my using friends came, you know, yeah. that day after I was set free. Um, and um, they said, oh, you know, what are you up to? You know, you want to puff and da-da-da-da. They brought it. I said, hey, you need to get that demonic drug away from me. Mm. And they were like, what? You know? <laughs> and, and I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Jesus now. I serve Jesus. And they were like, oh, my gosh, what happened to you, you know? What weird trip, you know? And um, I said, no, he's real. And um, that stuff there, that that belongs to the devil, man. That would have to have an impact because these people know that the hooks have They knew me because they used to smoke with me all the time. Well, they would have the same hooks in them. They would know how hard it would be Mm -hmm. to go switch. How more, let me rephrase that. They would know how totally impossible 
it would be to switch. Yeah. And that when they come to see you the next couple of days and you're just saying no. Yeah, and because, like, there's a difference. Like, you know, like when I said to you before, I got off it when I was pregnant. Mm. I was smoking it with my daughter when I was pregnant. Like, she right. did not, that pregnancy did not stop me from smoking it because mm. it's a full-on addiction. Yeah. Um, the pain stopped me from smoking later yeah, and the right. inaccessibility because we'd moved back here mm. and it was not as good yeah, not as cheap, mm. you know. But understanding that I was still an addict, does that make sense? Like yeah. I refrained, but there was still that beast inside of me going, yeah. get the pee, get the pee, you know. That pull. But yeah. when the Lord set me free, that beast was gone. Wow. You know, so I woke up like I'd never done it. <laughs> that is amazing. Like I'd never touched it. Wow. But I still had the memories yeah. of. This yeah. other person. Of of that life, yeah. like I still do now, but I don't fiend, yeah. I don't crave. Um, the demons came after that, trying to tempt me back. Yeah. I could see it for what it was. Mm. So that scripture where it says, um, "You are now a new creation." Yes, yeah. that's got a whole new yep. meaning so for you. So for me, so in that moment, like he spoke and he said some other things, you know, that are still to come, mm. but. When he came, I felt like that prostitute, like when he when he first came and spoke to me, I felt like that prostitute at his feet, mm. the one that um, um, anoints his feet with her hair, you know? Yeah, that's right, with the oil. Just the, the mercy, yep. like his mercy. Like I didn't feel like worthy. I just thought, man, what did you come here to me? I'm mm. the scum of the earth. Wow. You know, I don't deserve... Um, his presence, yeah, like the mercy. Wow. Sorry, I'm just. Um, I can always every time I talk about it, I can still feel it like it was yeah. yesterday. But it's when you know it's real. I just feel it. I always do every single time I talk about it. Um. I just yeah, I couldn't understand like why would. God of this universe, come to me. You know, like I hadn't like called him. I'd called him to murder me. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand that I had a heart that was ready to repent or whatever, mm. um, that was broken. Like I knew I was broken, but yeah. Um, and his, his, his mercy just, his mercy amazes me like, in that time of repentance, he showed me all the things that I'd done wrong. Mm. Um, and I was sorry for them. Like, that's why I was crying on and off mm. three days, you know. Mm. And um, when that was the time that I was born again. So, like, this all happened at the same time. Mm. And all the supernatural stuff happened. I got supernatural downloads from heaven. Just all the stuff happened mm. all in, like, a week, right? Mm. <clears throat> but he said to me, you know, what would it matter? He wasn't saying that this was true, but he was trying to say to me, you know, like, realise this. He said, what would it matter if nobody loved you? I love you. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment that my heart just went boom, you know. 
Wow. Yeah, that love would like have melted. Been... His love melted me on yeah. the spot. Like I remember, like <laughs> the Bible talks about you know having a heart of stone mm. and giving you a heart of flesh. That was the minute that he gave me a heart of flesh. Wow! Like I, I felt it. I just yeah. was like dead, and then I was alive. All of the weight of the things that I've done, they were lifted. So you and had then I no heard pastor there. You had no person no, there praying one with on you. one. With you and the Lord. One-on-one encounter. Wow. And then I heard the words, you are forgiven. And that was it. I didn't need no man or no people to tell me anything. I knew it. Mm. You know? Like I knew it in my spirit. Mm. I've been forgiven. Yeah. And that weight, that burden of sin. Mm. And so like I was going out getting pink clothes, you know, like I was like, Mm. you know, like when I first got set free, I was like a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> yeah. Like I was so happy. And my dad, he was like, oh, what's the matter with you? Are you back on those drugs? And, you know, because I was like, oh, God set me free, you know. Yeah. And he was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on with you, you know. And then I said to him, you know, God said to me that um, he's going to open up a door for me to get my children back. He's going to you know, restore my children to me. And my dad was like, oh, no, no, you know, the government said you're never getting them back, da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, but God told me, you know. And so throughout this journey, um, I've had to hold on to that promise because Mm. in the natural it did not look anything like Mm. what he said. But over the years, um, I've got two of my girls back and the third one's coming. It's in the transition. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. You know? Wow. Um, and no one believed me. Like the naysayers were all out there like, oh, you're just a crazy drug addict. But I knew. I knew that I was hearing the voice of the Lord. Mm. Yeah. You know, because he changed me. He changed me from the inside out. Yeah. Like, really? like the divine, you know, Instant getting me off the drugs, and I've never touched it since. That's just one element. Like yeah. my um, my life has been sanctified by him. Mm. You know, yeah. Like absolutely. before I met him, I used to sleep around and stuff. I don't do that anymore. I was consecrated the day that he spoke to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, Hallelujah! Wow. Um, and didn't have to fight it. Yeah, it was just. So you know, for, like that's unclean now, you know what I mean? Yeah. But back then when you're in it, like mm. you can't see the difference. So for anybody that might struggle with addiction in any shape or form and they're listening to this right now, what would be something that you'd want to say to them that would bring them to God that you could, if you had that chance? I would say cry out to God. He loves you and he can set you free. Mm. Yep. Wow. He's got the power to set you free. I wasn't even asking for it. I was asking for an end to my life. Mm. But he came and he restored my life. And he took all of that and is now beginning to use it for the good. Yeah. You know, my my story, the pain that I've been through, the addiction that I've been through, I'm now helping other people. Mm that are going through the same things and I can love them in that place that they're at because I understand what Mm. it's like to walk in that darkness alone. Mm. 
You know, I can just walk beside them without judgment. Mm. But the mercy of, you know, you might think, oh, you know, I'm too, I'm too bad for God or I'm too far gone, but nobody's too far gone yeah. for him. Mm. You know, while we're still alive, while you've got the chance, mm. he can come and save you and he can pull you out of that. Yeah. The darkest places. Mm. He's got the power, you know. You only have to believe. Yeah. It's true. Wow. You know, the Bible's like full of stories that in their in their form they're the simplest things. The Bible's mm. very simple and following God is simple, you know. I think humans we overcomplicate it. Yeah. You know? Um you bring like religion and mm. and all that sort of stuff, but when I met him Face to face, my whole world changed. Yeah. My whole life changed. I'm a different person. Mm. Like if you had said to me four years ago that I'd be sitting here mm. talking about Jesus and, and all the other stuff, you know, mm. leading mm. up to here, it's all about the Lord. Yeah. You know, I only came here to talk today to glorify the Lord. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't get myself out of that mess. The Lord did. Mm. Yeah. You know? And you've he, been able he to build. me up. Yeah, you've been able to build a relationship with Christ ever since. Yes, and got my instructions from the Holy Spirit himself. Yeah, wow. So, you know, when you read the Bible and stuff Mm. and it says, like, you know, go to the teacher, Mm. the Holy Spirit will teach you and guide you. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. And, like, I know these concepts that they talk about in church because I've experienced them through the Holy Spirit speaking Mm. about it directly to me. Does he speak to you the same way as the first time um, God spoke to you? You know, like, or has it kind of changed? If as I'm getting a growling, it? yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting a growling. <laughs> you know, if I'm getting convicted of something, yep. Yeah. Um, but he still speaks to me, like, personally. Wow. Yeah. That is absolutely amazing. That is such an amazing story, amazing But he, he just, he, he loves everyone and he doesn't want, you know, like he doesn't, doesn't want, want us perish. in that, yeah, and he mm. doesn't want us living in that brokenness either. Yeah. yeah. You know, I like had no idea, like, because I was, had like a spirit of rejection on me. I had a whole mm. bunch of demons on me, you know, yeah. the lifestyle I was living. Mm. Um, but he, his love... Yeah, it's true. Perfect love casts out all fear. Yeah. Like, because I, (laughs) so, like, even though I was, you know, delivered and, like, all of that stuff, which is absolutely amazing, in the natural, I was still poor. Mm. I was still pretty homeless, except staying with my dad, and I still didn't have my children. But Mm. the God, um, the Lord, he just restored everything, like, he made it so that someone paid my flight to Christchurch. Oh. And then when I got to Christchurch, um, a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in years lived here and said, come stay with me. And then wow. got me work and then got me a lawyer. Um, and then wow. got to see my kid, just all of it. Yeah. But I walked by faith to get there. Yeah. I had to listen to the voice of the Lord, yeah. you know, very c- closely to be led. Mm. You know, and I seemed absolutely nuts to everybody that knew me. Mm. They're like, what is she up to? Like, moving mm. to Christchurch with no money? Mm. Like, how's she going to get there? Yeah. But I didn't care because that's the voice of the devil. Mm. Mm. 
you know. I was just like, nah, you you spoke to me, you've done this, I'm off the drugs, you know, I feel happy again. Yeah. Like, it was just gone. Like, you're carrying around this heavy, heavy weight and you don't even know you're carrying it around. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just poof, gone. That's amazing. I just remember being like on cloud nine, you know, Jesus, everything. It was just annoying everybody, Mm. (laughs) you know. They're like, oh, no, here's the Jesus freak at my work. Yeah, <laughs> I was testifying to them, you know. Um, there was an older guy there, and he had a son that was on drugs. And I said, you know, Jesus can set him free. Little did I know that that guy was a backslidden Christian. And um, he said, "Oh no, I hope God didn't." He said to me, "I hope God didn't send you here to get me back." <laughs> and I said, "Oh, you never know." <laughs> but um, yeah, I was like. Workplace of like 500, I think there was. And I was just like, Jesus, 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 you know. He's all you could talk about. That's all I could talk about because I wouldn't have been there without him. Yeah. You know, and like I'd pray. Um, mm. We had a cafeteria and I'd pray over my food. And um, they'd come in and some of them would mock, you know, oh, she's talking to herself again or whatever. Mm. I'd be like, no, no. I'm talking to Jesus, you know, because um, he set me free. Mm. Mm. Amen. And then they were like, I think they were hoping that I'd be like shy or whatever, but nah, I'm mm. not shy when it comes <laughs> to the Lord, you know, yeah. because yeah. he's He's the reason I'm still here. He's the reason that I've got my daughters, that my daughters are um, doing quite well, you know, mm. despite what they've been through. Mm. Yeah, um, we. You you said earlier that um, there's been other people that you that you've known that have had the same thing with mm. meth and them being set free just like that. So, well, did you meet them afterwards? Did you? Yeah. 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 Wow. So just you know, um, I've been to a few, um, not conferences, but like Christian get-togethers and stuff, oh, yeah. and then. And they've been there? Oh, just um, meth has come up, you know, as yeah. a conversation of, like, what's going on and stuff. And then I was like, oh, yeah, well, this is my history. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, similar. Wow. You know, to to them. Yeah. And um, it's because, you know, God wants to bring people out of that. It's mm. time. Yeah. You know, there's there's many people like me getting pulled out. Mm, yeah. You know, it's it's the time now. Yeah. Yeah. So um there's a there's a guy uh called David uh Watson, one of your friends. Yes. And he has he sent me this incredible song that he um he wrote just for you because it he felt um, spiritually uh, prompted to write this amazing song, and I'm going to play it at the end um, of this podcast, so you can stick around for that. It's it's a it's very very divinely written, and um, we're going to finish up here. Is there anything else you wanted to say in here too? Um, I just. 
I really want to say that, you know, if you're there and you're struggling and you're walking in the darkness and you feel like nobody loves you and that you wouldn't be missed, if you call out to God, he'll answer you and he'll meet you in the place where you are, just as you are. Mm. That's good. That is really, really powerful. And he's real. Yeah. Well, thank you, Henny too, for being with us on the Jesus Magnet podcast. Thank you for having me. You have an incredible story. Really, really incredible. Um, so stay, stay till the end if you want to hear that song. And just remember that only God can turn a trial into a triumph, a victim into a victory, a mess into a message, and a test into a testimony. We'll see you next time on the Jesus Magnet podcast. Just the way you are Made in